Well, my name is Jackie Senna, and uh, I am not here often on Thursday mornings. I am uh, one of the leaders for Tuesday evening, and um, that's me. I, let's see, what else? What else is there about me? I turned 50 this year. I'm actually really excited. I've been 50 for just a few weeks, and, and so far, it's been good. I have to color my hair a little more often and pluck a little more often, but you know, that's okay. Good things are coming. Menopause. So it's on its way. I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I wanted to start and tell you kind of a funny story. I, um, a few weeks ago, I had a dream. And in my dream, I woke up and Angela and Linda were standing there. And they're like, okay, are you ready to teach? I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was teaching today. They're like, how'd you not know? I'm like, I, I just didn't. Like, but okay, but here. And they handed me a Bible. And I mean, the odd thing is, all of you, y'all were in my room. I'm at home. I'm in my jammies. I'm sitting in my bed. They're next to my bed. And they're like, you've got to teach this. I'm like, what am I teaching out of? And they're like, Thessalonians. I'm like, like where? What? What? They're like, you know. I'm like, okay. So they hand me the Bible. And I'm like, okay. So I'm opening it. And I'm like, I can't find it. Where is it? And I'm like, I realize my Bible's in Spanish. And I look up, I'm like, you guys, I don't speak Spanish. And they look at me like I'm, what? You don't speak Spanish? So it's like, and then out of the blue, there's Janet going, here. And she has a different Bible. And I look, I'm like, this is French. What do you guys want me to do? And they're like, well, maybe you just shouldn't be doing this then. And I'm sitting there looking at her. I'm in my room. And then I wake up and I thought, oh, thank goodness. This was just a dream. Um, because I don't want you all in my room in the dark while I'm in my jammies. You just don't belong there. And that my Bible's in English. And I'm grateful for that. But anyway, so, and then, so then I was working on my study and I thought to myself, I, some of you who know me know that I am just... I don't know. I, I fret over it, and I want every word written down, and the Lord rarely ever lets me write every word down. But Tuesday morning, I'm like, I am done with my study. I was so excited. And then um, we had Bible. I finished getting ready for Tuesday evening Bible study because we're a week behind. And I started to look forward in the packet, and I'm like, I did the wrong passage. <laughs> Part of it was right. Part of it was right. But I thought I was just doing verses 12, which Angela did last week through the end of one. And that next week, Sam was doing all of two. And I thought, oh, man, I'm not done at all. So <laughs> I had sat and really worked to fill up my time. And then I had to go through and be like, I'm going to take that out. I'm going to take that out. So I may pause a little just to kind of make sure I didn't take out anything that wasn't supposed to come out. But, you know, here we are. So I've got all the passages. And, and then <laughs> Linda sent out, a, she sends out a reminder for our groups, uh, for the leaders. And at the top was the passage I prepared for. And I thought, am I wrong again? <laughs> but I was right. It was, it was, it was all good. But that's, that's how my week has been. So <clears throat> let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and I just pray for a fresh filling. I pray, Father God, that you would take away 
the distractions of our day, our week, the things to come, Lord, that you would help us to lay aside our worries, our cares, our concerns, Lord, that they would just fall to the wayside. And right now, we would be audience to you. Father God, I pray, Lord, that this, these words on my paper would not hold you back or limit your power and your grace and your mercy, Lord, but that you would simply speak through me your words, your truth, and that you would have your way with us this morning, Lord. So last week, Angela opened us in Acts. If you were not here, I can't encourage you enough to go to the website and listen to the message. You won't be sorry. It was so good. You can find it on YouTube or the website. We have an app that I can't figure out how to work, but it's, it's on there too. She shared her heart for us women. She shared with us about who the Holy Spirit is, how he is with us, in us, and how he empowers us as believers. Jesus had commanded the disciples to remain in Jerusalem and wait for what he had promised that was coming. Who was coming? The Holy Spirit. Jesus again told them to be witnesses of him, not just in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, but in every part of the world. And today, here, we are evidence of their reach. Today in chapter 1, verses 13 through 26, we're going to study the only inspired account of that 10-day period between Jesus' ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, some 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion. For perspective, Saturday, August 20th, feels like yesterday. I can remember things that happened around it and what went on. It doesn't seem far away. That's 40 days ago. This is the same time frame that these, these people are living in. They have to be mind-blown, to say the least, at the things that they have seen and experienced. Their friend, mentor, teacher, their savior, betrayed by one of their own, beaten, mocked, crucified, buried, risen from the grave, and then they spent time with Jesus, resurrected Jesus. These people are watching the very gospel unfold before their eyes, experiencing it in the first person. Jesus at this point is now physically, visibly absent. He has ascended to the very throne of God, and yet the Holy Spirit has yet to descend. It was during this period that Jesus had told his disciples to remain, to wait. Acts 1-4 said in gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me. Webster's defines stay. I'm sorry, Webster's defines wait as to stay in, play, in a place of expectation of. The Hebrew word translates wait as also meaning to hope for and to anticipate. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. 
They shall walk and not faint. (laughs) Many of us dread waiting, but the Lord tells us that waiting on him is a good thing. Pastor Doug said that waiting on the Lord is a posture of prayer. It never means inactivity, but actively seeking God's will and purpose in prayer. Waiting on the Lord is not an excuse to do nothing. It is not a cop-out or a way out, but a call to action and prayer. Verse 13 says, When they had entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. That is Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All of these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Eleven disciples and the women, the usual women that carry on with them. Um, Mary, Jesus' mother, Jesus' brothers, they're all remaining together in Jerusalem, waiting in full obedience to what Jesus commanded. And can I just note that I love that Luke points out that Jesus' brothers are there. As their last mention in John 7, 5 read, even his own brothers did not believe in him. And now here they are with the others, devoting themselves with one mind and one prayer. One mind is from the Greek root word, I can't say it, but I'm going to try, homeothymaden. It is one of the defining characteristics that God intends for the church. God found the church on the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The church is based on one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. It is characterized by all humility and gentleness with patience Bearing with one another in love. That is, all of that is in Ephesians 4. The people in the living room know each other, but they were not always of one mind. The 11 remaining disciples are starting to realize that leadership is not about authority and power, but sacrificial service as Jesus exemplified it on the cross. Um, Mark, and that's from Mark 10, 30 through 45. Verse 15 says, at this time, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. This is a group of about 120 people that were together and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled with which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open, and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all the residents of Jerusalem. As a result, that field was called Hakladima in their own language, and that is field of blood. Still praying. One heart, one mind, it's noted their number to be about 100, it's noted their numbers 120, and they are waiting expectantly for the Holy Spirit. Peter addressed the group. 
It was time to acknowledge Judas. <clears throat> it was time to address the missing 12. Judas, who was called out by Jesus, he lived, studied, fellowshiped with these men, with Jesus. It was Judas who would, as a fulfillment of scripture, betray Jesus. Speaking of his betrayal, Jesus said it would have been better for that man had he not been born. Mark 14, 21. But this is who Judas, Judas was, always was going to be. God did not make Judas do this, but he knew his character and that he would fulfill God's plan in this way. Peter quotes two Psalms, Psalm 69, 25, and 109, verse 8. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his residence be made desolate, and may there be none living in it, and may another take his office. David knew about betrayal and penned these after his own betrayal by Doeg. And Peter employs David's wisdom through scripture to apply it for this time. Verse 21 says, Therefore it is necessary, as Peter is continuing, Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us at the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. Peter is laying out the qualifications to fill this 12th role. So they put forward two men called, Bar these words, I'm so sorry, you guys. I practice at home in my head, but I got to learn to start practicing them out loud. <laughs> Barsabbas, who was called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, know the hearts of all people. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Messiah, Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So one of the things I was really pretty excited about not having to teach in chapter 2 was this. I was very excited to hear what Sam had to say about it. Um, <laughs> so in this block of scripture, there is often a debate, yes, Matthias, or no, Matthias? Is Peter correct or impetuous? Were they wrong to not just wait on the coming spirit devoted to prayer? Was this casting of lots, which makes about as much sense as rock, paper, scissors, for such a monumental choice? And noted, this is the last time in scripture that we ever see the casting of lots done to make a decision because now they have the Holy Spirit to make the decision. Well, they will. I've spoiled it. The Holy Spirit's coming. They'll have the Holy Spirit from that point on. <laughs> so we see that go away. We do see casting of lots being used multiple times throughout scripture to make decisions, but they didn't have the indwelling to help them make these decisions. There's no doubt that Peter was correct in his understanding that a replacement was needed. But this would not be the first time that we've seen Peter be impulsive. Peter's interpretation was right, but was his application. Would the outcome have been different had they waited? 
on this Holy Spirit to come and guide them. When I do not understand something or need direction, I pray, I search scripture, I will look up reputable Bible teachers, I will talk to women full of wisdom, I will have a discussion with fellow believers. Really, this is the only time Matthias is mentioned in scripture, and many teachers are split on this. The disciples chose Matthias, and later in Acts on the road to Damascus, Jesus will choose Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles. For the answer as to yes, yes, Matthias, or no, Matthias, we will just have to wait and see. Revelation 21, 14 tells us that each of the 12 foundations of New Jerusalem has a name on them of one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 12 apostles of the Lamb. When we get to heaven... We will know for sure who the 12th apostle of the Lamb is. Did them choosing Matthias hurt anyone? Maybe justice. But no. Was he any less of, a of an apostle because they elected him? No. We have such an advantage today. We are so blessed. I have, in so many years, never had to make a decision without the direction, guidance, and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Do I? Of course. But since 1994, I have been able to call on Jesus to help me make decisions in the Spirit. And it's... I feel so blessed by that. It's been really... It's been really... Uh, emotional for me this week thinking about being faced with just contemplating the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives, in my life. Acts 2, 1 through 13 says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Here we are, 10 days after the ascension of Jesus. Pentecost means 50th. It is the Jewish feast held 50 days after the Passover. We had 40 days with the resurrection, resurrected Jesus and 10 days of waiting, 50 days. Uh, it is celebrated with the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and Pentecost marked the day when the law was given to Israel. And on this New Testament day of Pentecost, the church received the spirit of grace in its fullness through the Holy Spirit. David Guzik quotes another commentator and says this about the Pentecost. It is the best attended of the great feasts because traveling conditions are usually at their best. There is never a more cosmopolitan gathering in Jerusalem than this one. There are many people from all over the world who have traveled to celebrate Pentecost. But we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. <clears throat> Verse 2 says, And suddenly... A noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. They are all in the upper room, all together, and they are numbered at 120. Remember, they have been there for days of one mind, 
praying eagerly, anticipating what God is about to do. I am sure that with every waiting hour, the anticipation, the assurance of what is to come could be cut with a knife. I imagine it was thick and palpable. And it says, suddenly, without warning, this noise came from heaven. Now, my favorite movie is Twister. I can't explain it. And now you all, half of you know my security question, so I'm going to have to change it now. Um, my favorite movie is Twister. And I can't explain why I love this movie. But I watch it over and over. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, I'll watch it with you because... Uh, it's just, I will watch it anytime if I'm cleaning my house or doing, as long as it's free on like Netflix or whatever, wherever it rotates, we always watch. My kids will text me, Twister's on Netflix, you know, I'll watch it, I'll just listen to it. So if you haven't seen it, it is a movie about storm chasers, tornado scientists. Um, there are scenes where the storm, in the storms where the wind is crazy. And of course, like a true lover of a movie, I have watched the documentary. I guess you would think I had better things to do. But I have watched the documentary, and they talk about how they recreated the sounds of this wind. Um, you hear crashing, shaking, booms. They used pig squealing to replicate the noises of the gale force winds that rage through these tornadoes to make them realistic. And I think that that sound was probably nothing in comparison to what they heard. This sound from heaven, unmistakably a work of God's hand. It was in my studying, I read that the word used for spirit in the Hebrew and the Greek translates to wind and breath. The visualization I got here was Jesus. They hear, the sound they hear is the oh, Jesus breathing his Holy Spirit and filling the room and calling the Jews to come. Last week, Angela mentioned the significance of the cloud that Jesus was received in, and here we see the tongues of fire. And scripture, and in scripture, we often see fire representing God's presence. Moses encountered the burning bush, yet it was not consumed because it was the very presence of God. The Israelites followed by night, followed fire by night, and again, the presence of God, the provision of the Lord. We also see in Scripture that fire refines. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Now there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking, why are not all these who are speaking um, Galileans, and how is it that we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, 
Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Thyregia, <laughs> Pamphyla, Egypt and the parts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews, Jews and prophesites, Cretans and, Arab, and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty deeds of God. And they, again, all of them who were in the room are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the 12, not just the 12 apostles, the women who traveled with them, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus' brothers, it says all, all who were in the upper room had been with them praying and being united of one mind, Jesus, waiting in prayer and anticipation. It says the Spirit gave them the ability to speak in tongues that were not their own language for the distinct purpose of the audience. It was intended for this group of people, those who were dwelling in Jerusalem, the Jews, the devout men from every nation under heaven. There were thousands of Jews present who came from all over the earth to Jerusalem at this holy time. These were pilgrims from all the nations under heaven. They were Jews who had been dispersed from the land of Palestine and had gone to other nations of the earth. Many of them made this annual pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us that oftentimes the city of Jerusalem, which, is normally had, which normally had the population of 150,000, would be swollen in numbers to well over a million. The city was packed and the suburbs were filled. Out in the hillsides, there were many camps of pilgrims. <clears throat> it is to this multitude that this miracle was directed. They were not Gentiles, they were Jews, and they had been brought from all parts of the earth. They were surprised to hear Galileans speaking their language. And I discovered basically, because they're pretty much like, um, to say it kindly, uncultured. Uh, I did hear uh, uh, Chuck Smith called them hillbillies. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they are not expected to be able to speak eloquently like this. With this outpouring of the Holy, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit would be one hundred percent outside of their nature and ability. Something only God could do through them. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, "What does this mean?" But others were jeering and saying, they are full of sweet wine. The onlookers were filled with amazement, wonder. They were perplexed. That in turn gave away to two expressions that are recorded of this crowd. Two divisions that always seem to occur when something is suddenly sprung on people. When the human mind is confronted with something new, it often reacts with one of two ways. What does this mean? What is behind this? What is the purpose? Why does this occur? This group has an open mind. They're ready to investigate. Before coming to a conclusion, they're ready to seek it. 
And then there's another group who immediately dismisses the phenomenon with a reaction of mockery and ridicule. They looked at the disciples and said, they're drunk. That is the only explanation. They've been getting into the new wine. They dismissed it. But all of this sets the stage for Peter next week. The sad realization is when faced with the undeniable power and authority of God, some scoff. It is really easier to assume. Is it really easier to assume that 120 people in an unprecedented event, they heard the noise, they've seen the reaction, they've seen what's happening, they must be drunk. It's just easier for them. And this week, I've been really convicted. And I, I don't, I, I didn't put it into words because I don't really know if I can, but I'm going to try to. My lacking this week looking at this scripture has felt huge. And I think of, you know, we're taking a different look at this study. We're looking at it inductively. So we're looking at every piece of the passage. And we're, we're going to look and we're going to see how it ministers to us, how it applies to us. So it applies to us all as believers. But then we're going to look at, at steps to apply. How am I going to apply this to myself? And I always learned when I'm doing inductive, when I'm going to apply it to myself, I ask, how does this affect me? How does this change me? And then what am I going to do about it? And for myself, and this, listen, you all may not get anything similar to this. Don't let that discourage you or sway you. I just want to share how the Lord ministered to me. I want to always be a what does this mean kind of girl and not they must be drunk. I don't ever want to be a they must be drunk cynic. Do you ever forget how powerful the Holy Spirit is? I do. Do you ever forget what he is capable of? I do. Jesus, God, who willingly stepped down from heaven and died a sinner's death on a cross, conquer that death for a sinner like me, and I forget his power and his authority, and I stick him in my pocket, and there's times I believe he's no greater than what I think he can do. Have you forgotten that the same spirit that rushed into that room and had its way with tax collectors, men who've denied Jesus, men who've doubted him, I'm sure there's at least one woman in there of questionable reputation. There had to be some real messes in that 120. But they were yielded to him and ready to receive his power and his grace. And boy, did they experience it. That same spirit lives in me and in you. And do you know what it's capable of? Have you forgotten? Do you hold yourself back? I hold myself back. I hold myself back. Today in scripture, we witnessed the birth of the church. Do you think that any idea 
any of them would think that thousands of years ago there would be a group of women gathered. We are a result of their obedience to God and to the Spirit. You know, I don't want to go ahead and spoil it for anyone, but they went out. They, they carried the word out in obedience to God. They were not afraid to let the Spirit pour out of them. And I do that. I hold myself back because I'm afraid that they're not going to like it or they're going to ridicule me. Maybe I'm just drunk. Maybe they'll deny it. But it's not my place to make them believe it. It's my place to share it. It's my place to be filled to overflowing and spread the Holy Spirit around me. And I stop it all the time. The Holy Spirit that lives in me is not mine alone. It's my job to pour him out. If I were walking down the street and somebody was on fire, I would put it out. If they were dying, I would put it out. If they were choking, I'd do the Heimlich the best I can. I'm 50 now. I don't have the strength I used to. I'd do my best, though, because I don't want them to die. But I walk past them every day knowing they're dying. I walk past them every day with the Holy Spirit in my box, not pouring it out, not employing it. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are alive and active today. And don't let anyone lie to you and tell you they're not. Is he as powerful today as he was then? Yes. Yes. I, I was sitting last night and I thought back to the women's retreat for such a time as this. Because every day is for such a time as this. And if I could play it for you, I would. But during Sam's session... It was so powerful. It's on the website because over and over it's take out your sword, take out your sword, take out your sword. It is time for us to employ God who he is, to look for his gifts, to seek his giftings, to pour them out and to not hold back. It's hard. I just had to do it this week to send a scripture or a word to someone who doesn't want it. But it's not my job to make them want it. It's my job just to give it to them and to see what God will do with it. And that's what I got. These people have seen amazing things, but we've read them. We've seen amazing things. I have seen God move in amazing ways. And I never want to put it under a bushel or to hide the light. So let's pray. Father God, I just... Um, Lord, I, I thank you for today. I pray, Lord, as we go to our groups, um, that you would just fill us with your conversation, Lord. Fill us with your word and your grace and your mercy, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you would empty us and fill us with you, Lord. If it's been a while since we've asked for a fresh renewing of the Spirit, Lord, that we would do it right now because, God, it is not a one and done. We need to be filled with your Spirit every second, Lord. If we're feeling dry or alone or held back or weary, Lord, or discouraged, Father God, fill us. Fill us, Lord, and I just pray that you would take this group of women. We have no idea what a group of women this size, 
the difference it can make in the future, Lord. And so I just pray, Father God, that we would be vessels for you, Father God. Lord, we love you. We praise you in your mighty name. Amen.